Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. You can see Albuquerque flashing the lights Watch on this. Albuquerque's going to get a run. Jaminé is stalled. Albuquerque to the outside for the oh, lead. Oh, but Albuquerque's so wide, almost off the track. He goes to the inside. Oh, oh they hit. He's off the road. Off goes the 10. Oh, and it's harm's way. And he hits the 6. Oh, the Madison's involved. Oh, Where my goodness. Aiken? Aiken could be in the lead of this race. All three leaders are out. Did Aiken make it through? Same. And there she goes. Penalty on Jaminé, but it will not matter as the cars are destroyed and caution is out. Final run down the Almond Stripe. And what a day it is going to be for Cadillac Racing, for Action Express, Wheel and Engineering. Jack Aitken's going to steer it home. And Pippo Durrani will win for the fourth time Cadillac Racing continues its domination at Sebring. Sims, Jack Aitken, and the Dynamo, Pippo Durrani. How about this? Scotty Mack, Scott McLaughlin in LMP2 for Tower Motorsports. Josh Ferrano and Kiffin Simpson, they're victorious in the second prototype class. Hello, welcome. It's Trackside 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Eddie Garrison, in our studios on Monument Circle in downtown Indianapolis, we start with some of the highlights of the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, courtesy of NBC Sports, with a lot of familiar IndyCar names. Plenty to get to in the IndyCar world coming up tonight, including a couple of drivers who uh, have factored into sports car racing in the past. One who won this past weekend, and one who we are going to see back in a car very, very soon. Ryan Hunter Ray will join us, recently named to a Dreyer and Reinbold Indy 500 entry. And Kiffin Simpson will be on the show. He was a part of the uh, winning team. Scott McLaughlin brought uh, overall. They finished on the podium overall because they done all gone crashing. It, it looked like Talladega or Daytona in a cup race at the end of a sports car race. 20 minutes to go. The top three crashed out. Uh, the car in fourth matriculated to the front of the field the wheel and engineering cadillac which includes pipo durrani winning for the fourth time they won and a lot of storylines to get to that we'll talk about as we go through the evening tonight kurt how are you welcome well it's uh it's good to have an indycar conversation that is going to include a race here in the next what 10 12 days so we'll be back at texas pretty soon for the second race of the season and it's good to know that ryan hunter ray is going to be back in the indianapolis 500 i didn't see as much of the sebring race as as you did we had some family matters to get to over the weekend so i'm a little bit uh other than seeing highlights and and um and reading about the event didn't get a chance to really absorb it it's still on my dvr but but uh i know you have a a lot of good notes from that, and you will get into that. But uh, this is an IndyCar show, so whatever we can do to 
talk about Scott McLaughlin and Ryan Hunter Ray and Jack Harvey being cleared. We got a lot to get to still tonight. And by the way, there still is some racing coming up this weekend in what was formerly known as the Road to Indy because you can never get enough trips to Sebring. I'm headed back there on Thursday uh, for the USF Pro Championship. So USF Pro 2000, USF 2000, and USF Juniors will make their season debut uh, running from Thursday through Sunday. Jackson will be racing on Friday and Saturday. It's the third straight weekend of an event there. So if you're in the area, come by. It's not a free event. There are are tickets because, um, well, one, you got to pay the bills. Uh, There's also historic sports cars this weekend and and some different classes. So it is a full weekend at Sebring. And uh, maybe we'll see you there. So we'll get into that schedule at the end of the program tonight. But let's talk about what's happening in in IndyCar. And we'll start first with the Indianapolis 500. We are a month away from testing in April for the 500. And we now have a field of 33 cars entered. Well, we do. Dry Reibold has added the second car that we've all been anticipating for some time. We just weren't sure which direction that would go with the driver. They've gone pretty strong with uh, a guy who could be a two or two, three time winner at this point in his career. Does have the, the 2014 uh, win under his belt. So the Borg Warner Trophy has Ryan Hutter Ray's likeness on it. So good for him. Good for us that we're going to get to watch him race again. And he will be teaming. Uh, he'll be in the number 23 Chevrolet alongside Stefan Wilson, who was named earlier. Uh, to the program. So uh, it's it's good. It's been what uh, he Ryan wasn't in last year's Indy 500, but he was in the year before ending a, a really long association with Andretti Autosport. You weren't really sure where it was going to end up for Ryan. Could he end up with Ganassi? We talked about Ray Hall at one point. Uh, you know, was there an opportunity at all? Uh, so for him to get back in the seat with with a team that that obviously has shown well for a one off, you know they had two cars in the top ten what last year or the year before, um, so they've had cars compete you know f- and challenge for the race win. That's what Ryan Hunter Ray wants to do at this point in his career. You know, obviously a great representative for for Borg Warner and for the Indy five hundred and the Speedway as as a whole. So good to have Ryan Hunter Ray back. Yeah, I wasn't certain if that was going to come to fruition or not, but started feeling better about it in the last week or so. You know, I, I think I've even said on the show, my assumption for a little while has been that J.R. Hildebrand was going to end up in that seat. J.R. normally has some some commercial partners that help support, and I have not spoken to Dennis Reinbold, so I don't know what the requirements were going to be. Was Or is it going to be uh, a situation where someone needed to bring a partner and help out with the budget uh, a, a little bit. So that was kind of one of my thoughts. And, and plus, by the way, Jerry Hildebrand's really good, really competent. He's had relationships there in the past, um, but then started hearing, no, that may not be the case. And that's when Ryan gets back in play. Thought he might end up at Ganassi. Uh, that I think was, I think it had a decent chance of happening, but I still don't know if that was ever going to happen because it's become clear that that seat requires budget. From the news that we've learned recently that uh, Takuma Sato, a two-time Indianapolis 500 winner, is only guaranteed to do Texas and Indy because there's not enough budget from his side of things to do the rest of 
the oval races. So if Takuma doesn't have enough to do multiple races, then now now maybe the 500 is different. Maybe they are in a position where they could put partners together. And if Takuma wasn't there, then then Ryan might have been offered that chance. Uh, then the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan, when that fourth car was out there, I thought that might happen. But I I get the impression that Honda wanted to do something a little bit different as well and be more unique. And while a former Indy 500 winner is unique, uh, having the chance to have a, a talented, quality female driver with an associate determining factor in that situation. Uh, so then it's what is out there. And if you're Ryan, and we'll talk with him about this in an hour, do you feel like this situation is good enough? And it's not my call to make. But my opinion would be yes. I, I think you can run up front. I think in circumstances, Ryan Hunter Ray could win the race in this car. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, he he's certainly very talented, and and it goes on multiple years and multiple generations of the car. It's not like you know. Sometimes we've seen in Indy Five Hundred history a driver with the right team at the right engine, the right tire at the right moment can win the Indy Five Hundred. But in his case. You know, you not only is the 2014 Indy win significant, he was leading on the last restart in 2013. He probably had the best car in 2016. He was really, really good in, in 2021. So he has had multiple times, multiple uh, situations, although all with the same team, but, you know, it wasn't dominant, let's say, uh, like maybe one manufacturer was hooked up that particular year. He's done it multiple ways. And so I think that's why you really uh, respect his talent at Indianapolis. Uh, something you said, though, about Takuma Sato was interesting. I, I'm I'm surprised that, that uh, I'm surprised they only have the budget for two races. I mean, I know Indy's a bigger budget in the pie, but, but um, you know, that both of those entries are going to be really interesting to watch and, you know, if I'm Takuma, these are the two I'd want to I'd want to do. Although he's been pretty good at Gateway as well, uh, but but um, you know, there's there's uh, both these programs are going to be really interesting, and and I hope you know for both of their sakes they got a they got a chance when the last restart comes. Uh, so that information. So I'll kind of jump forward, and we'll, we'll circle back to Ryan Hunter Ray. That information. Came, I think, at St. Petersburg when Chip Ganassi sat down with a few different reporters. I think Nate Ryan from NBCSports.com, probably Nathan Brown from the Indianapolis Star. I think Jenna Fryer from the Associated Press was there. That's where I've I've seen most of it uh, coming out. And in that, Chip confirmed that, you know, one, in talking about Marcus Armstrong, I think that might be how it started, that we're really impressed with Marcus Armstrong. He's only doing road and street courses. And, hey, we're not confirmed in that car for the other ovals beyond the first two. So we might consider putting him in that car at some point. I don't know if that would be, uh, we'll put you in that car if uh, another check comes around or not. And then what also he clarified is, you know, it's not as if there is huge incentive to just keep the car on the track for leader circle purposes. For those that aren't paying closely attention, that's sort of the revenue sharing are given uh, a certain amount of money throughout the year in lieu of significant purse. But 
there and it's a contract between the teams and the series. So none of this is really public. But one of the things that I've heard over the years is that three entries per team are the max allowed unless you were grandfathered in. So unless at one point they allowed more than that. So, for example, Andretti still has four leader circle programs. Um, but the fourth Ganassi car, even if they finish one, two, three, four in the championship, is not eligible for the leader circle. So th- that money is not there. Now, there's still some prize money that's allotted to that entry, but it's in a different format. Um, so y- y- there's budget to run these cars. And if the budget's not there, Chip's a smart businessman. It's not coming out of his pocket, generally speaking. Now, as I say that, I'm going to guess he's helped fund some cars before. Yeah, I, I think that's true. He um, he he wouldn't run that extra car just just for the good sake of of running that car. It doesn't it doesn't add extra to the program to run at Iowa to run at Gateway. Some other really interesting nuggets out of the Chip Ganassi uh, gathering with journalists a couple of weeks ago in St. Petersburg from Nate Ryan on NBC Sports. On the future of his IndyCar driver lineup, we never look forward and plan. We just throw darts. He was having a good time with people on the day. Uh, And after being pressed about Scott Dixon's future, oh, I'm not going to have him forever, okay? We're signing Dixon to an 11-year deal, which is correct. I guess that's that's not forever. Uh, On being interviewed for the new 100 Days to Indy docuseries, he said that's why I got in the sport, to be on TV. Oh, I hope he agrees to be interviewed for this, and I hope Zach Brown agrees to be interviewed for this. If uh, if the drivers are going to need to play along, I think the owners are going to need to play along as well. The journalists that are being asked to participate, uh, too. So so I hope so, and I hope he's blunt and honest on that. Some other blunt and honest comments on the rebranding of Indy Next. He said, yeah, that was the problem with that series. It was the name. God, why didn't we think of that? All caps. On the U.S. judicial system, this must have come up when they were talking about Alex Pillow. And uh, he he's been adamant that he didn't sue Alex Pillow. That you know, matter of semantics. And uh, he said there there was never a lawsuit filed. I don't know what you guys keep saying. A lawsuit was filed. There was never any lawsuit filed. There were certainly lawsuits written, but I never sued him. There was never a lawsuit filed. We went to arbitration, which is in the contract. You don't sue somebody to go to arbitration. That was spelled out in in the contract. Okay. But on the U.S. judicial system, Chip said, that's why you never want to go to a jury trial. You're putting your life in the hands of 12 people that can't get out of jury duty. Uh, Also, back to the Palo thing, he said uh, to Nate Ryan and others, Nate wrote, despite their contentious squabbling last year, Ganassi said things are good now with Alex Palo. I believe that. And that the 2021 champion is welcome to stay at Ganassi beyond 2023. I believe that too. I also don't believe he's going to be staying at Ganassi beyond 2023. But Ganassi said he knows that when asked if Pillow could return. Maybe he already has a deal. Chip said, I don't know. Hey, I never flinched one minute on Friday, Saturday, Sunday last year about his car. And I think that showed. I've got to hand it to him for all he put himself through to do that. That's no small feat. It'd take a lot, I would think. Uh, One, probably no other opportunity. But I think that ship has sailed. Um, I know contractually he's not allowed to sign with anyone. Can he agree with someone? How does that work if he already agreed to terms last year before this new provision was written in there? But 
Uh, he likes the idea of testing a Formula One car and maybe that being an option for a path. Um, whether he was sued or not, it got it got dark for a little while there. So I, I don't, can you never say never? You know, I would say you could never say never, but I, I suspect he already has an agreement and that's not going to change. If somehow he does not, then I would give it a glimmer of hope if the season goes fantastic and Chip Ganassi Racing decides we got to keep this guy. He's the future, our eventual number one driver. Uh, and then you're willing to really open up the bank for him. But highly, highly doubt that. But I think Chip answered that the, the correct way because, hey, it's op- uh, he's he's good. And they've already gotten past the hard point. So I, I, I believe they could continue to mend fences and go beyond that. But again, that would be if there was no other option available that was satisfactory to Alex Pillow. And I don't think that's the case. Um, oh, we should get back to the Indy 500 situation. So we're at 33 now. You know, my first thought has been, that's probably going to be it. Because I didn't see, as I looked through the existing teams, anyone being willing to do an extra entry. There's been, you know, I wouldn't even say a report or anything to it. But it, but as I kept hearing, there could be a 34th and maybe a 35th. I started to wonder, well, would Dreyer and Reinbold do a third car? I wouldn't think so. But I think they're maybe more equipped to do it than some of the other teams. And, and some teams have already said unequivocally no uh, but I hear that's not going to be the case so then where is it going to be a racer.com wrote last week essentially and I'm paraphrasing that Foyt would be open to that in the right circumstances and that this would make sense to me if they found full sponsorship uh, and then they would need somewhere to put ABC Supply, which they've already agreed to. So if they found sponsors, they would then be in a position, if they had three primary sponsors, then they would be in position, uh, maybe it's only one more, because I would think Sexton Properties is going to be on one of their cars. They've been huge in helping them, especially after the Rocket uh, money never showed up last year. So that's the scenario. Is that real likely to happen uh, I hope it happens for him, but I don't know that's super likely. And then you get into, all right, if you've got budget, where do you want to take that if there's no guarantee of making the race? The last time there was bumping, the extra Foyt car didn't get in. Uh, the first two Foyt cars, you know, with experienced drivers, I wouldn't have a whole lot of concern for that. They put together good Indy 500 cars. It gets a little tougher when you start doing things on short notice and that isn't planned way in advance. So uh, so that's why I was starting to wonder, you know what, if it happens, is there something we don't know about? Because Jay Fry has mentioned, Mark Miles have mentioned, there is a possibility of a 34th or 35th. So I, I started thinking it's got to be somebody that's bringing a new entry. And Marshall wrote about Able Motorsports. And at Sebring, I heard a couple of other things, and I think there is at least some traction to that. Now, I have not talked to Bill Abel about this recently or even last year, um, but it would make some sense to me. So his son, Jacob, is is pretty talented and had a really good weekend at St. Pete. He's generally not had teammates in the past. That It's been a family-run team, 
And uh, I think, you know, am I going to say he's Linus Lundquist or Kyle Kirkwood? Not necessarily, but uh, there have been, I feel this, there have been drivers make it to IndyCar that won't have the seasoning or the accomplishments that Jacob Abel does. I think he's beyond competent and he might even be good. I'm just not qualified to say whether he's really good or not, but I think there is a chance that he might be really good. And remember, they're doing it. They have a good budget, but until St. Pete, generally speaking, so there could be a scenario where they're thinking, all right, let's go ahead and get an Indy 500 program going now. That'll help Jacob when he's ready to do it. We'll have the infrastructure. And if it commercially makes sense, maybe we can go ahead and do it in 2023. You only need to beat one other car. Um, and then you start thinking, where could it come? Maybe it's from some of these other commercial programs that have tried to do something, uh, but that don't have a car. And and I don't know whether Able Motorsports has a car or not, but I believe there are cars out there that can be had, and it might make sense for him. Go ahead and get a car now. We'll keep it, and it will become Jacob's car, maybe even to start testing in later in the year, and he runs it either in IndyCar next year or the year after. They've been patient with him. So could that be a, where a Peretta combines with and brings Simona Di Silvestro? Maybe. Maybe that's an opportunity. Um, one of the others could... Uh, I don't think Vassar Sullivan is looking at the Indy 500 this year, but that would be the type of situation that you're looking at as well. Maybe the spirit of Speedway operation with Will Moratti uh, has some budget that they could bring to a program and help. You know, And you could piece it all together. We've seen extra entries that had essentially four different entities involved in it. So... Am I telling you that's going to happen? No, I don't I don't know that it's going to happen, but that wouldn't, I think, be the path there. A couple of weeks ago, I would have said, we are done at 33 and there's really no chance. You know, and then it becomes, all right, if it's a 34, are we bumping one of our own? So Chevy might take that in, into consideration. That's why it makes sense for a different team. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me for Foyt to bring in a third car. Foyt might bump their second car if they're in that situation. Is the fourth Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan operation, would that be one of those that be in peril a little bit and maybe incentivize Chevy to, hey, we're not necessarily bumping another Chevy. Uh, Ray Hall Letterman wasn't super fast last year in the 500, and their driver hasn't done it for a while. So that could be some thinking. Now, all that said, my guess is Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan has it together this year, and with a proper test program, I think Catherine will be fine. But if there's 34, you know, we're going to talk about some that are going to be in peril. And there are surprises. Will Power was on the last row when they had bumping whenever that was two, three, four years ago, the year that Fernando Alonso got bumped from the race. So that's what's out there. There's still plenty of other drivers in the mix, uh, or at least that could potentially be in the mix. But that's probably where things stand at this point. All right, we've got some other things we want to get into. Another driver, you know, maybe we should mention Alinas Lundquist. It sounds like he is going to be in a car very, very soon. We had testing at Texas. There is racing coming up soon at Texas. And plenty more on the way, including Ryan Hunter Ray and LMP2 class winner at Sebring, Kiffin Simpson and Indy Next Driver, all coming up. Trackside 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Hi, this is Alexander Rossi, and you're listening to Trackside. All right, we continue the conversation, and we have Kurt back with us, even though I have a telecommunications degree. 
generally that consisted of go sit behind the desk and talk rather than hook things up. So sometimes my microphone or others' microphones work. Sometimes they do not. We think everything is in full operating procedure now, and we continue to pick up where we left off. First, before we get back to some other things like IndyCar in Argentina and testing at Texas, um, last weekend was one of those weekends where I kind of wish, I don't ever wish I was on the couch because my couch does not pay well, uh, but I wish I could have consumed more of what's going on and I have made it a point. I, I watched the Xfinity race. I'm going to say yesterday morning, I watched the F1 race at the airport on Sunday. By the way, how would you feel about your championship? Luckily, they do have two cars on the same team fighting for the championship. But even before the season began, we knew the championship was over. As people like to say, it's about everything other than the race. And things are still going great for Formula One, so God bless him. Yeah, how about was it was it Hamilton that said he's never seen a faster race car than than the Red Bulls were on this occasion? By, by the way, that, and, that's and, because he was in his car. Others have said <laughs> so he didn't see his car back in the day. Yeah, that's true. And and Shumi would have been kind of the same thing. I will say this: I think the visual of of that race. With the lights along the Red Sea, really cool visual. Pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think that's as cool of a night shot as you could ask for. Uh, I don't know what they use that property for the rest of the year, but it's a uh, it looks spectacular. And by the way, I, I was trying to imagine walking from one end to the other, as you know, as we often will have to do if we're in a hotel that's not in the location where uh, the paddock is. And I lost track of the blocks that you would have to walk. I mean, it looked like we'd go about an inch on the racetrack, and it was probably eight to ten blocks. <laughs> so it's going to be a long walk from that north end to the south end of that racetrack in Saudi Arabia. Well, they have been fortunate that they've got Fernando Alonso back and competitive because in race number one, he was the only thing interesting about that. Race number two would help that Verstappen uh, went, not kablamo, but had the mechanical in qualifying. And at first I said he'll still win. And then I thought, you know what? No, he's probably too far back to beat the other Red Bull. So I accurately, in my mind, not that anybody cares, predicted the one, two, three, was less confident about Alonzo. And even that's gone back and forth. You know, we, we talk about different sanctioning bodies not being able to get their act together. This is the most well-funded, deepest, resourced organization you can have, and they can't figure out whether a penalty is a penalty or not. And as we speak, Alonzo finished third, but that might still be subject to change. Then you got NASCAR, where my buddy Parker Kligerman almost won, might have had the best car at Atlanta on Saturday, finishes fourth backwards. Uh, he got crashed at the end of the race. Atlanta is now another plate track. That's what that's been changed to. It's not a plate, but it races just like a plate track. And that was interesting. The cup race, uh, the jokes were what's going to last longer, the Atlanta Xfinity race or the 12 hours of Sebring. And it was close. Uh, the, the cup race, I think, went the last 40, 45 laps or so uh, in green flag conditions. And yeah, Joey Logano is really, really good. I thought Keselowski was finally going to win one. So that was a little bit of what we saw over the weekend. And, oh, yes, there was some basketball. 
I saw the Purdue game, and I apologize, Purdue fans, that that's the only game I saw over the weekend. I didn't even fill out a bracket because I knew I would have no time to participate in that. So uh, now we can move on and, and focus more on racing. And including in recent days, there was some testing. What, it took a couple of days to get the rookie test done at Texas because of some bad weather Tell me what you know about the rookies who tested last week at Texas. Well, I've had a chance to talk to a couple of them, and and we had three rookies in the test day. The first day, they were you know, trying to schedule and, and run. There were some tornadoes in the area, some inclement weather and, and wind, and, and they just couldn't finish. Our friend, uh, a friend of the show, Augustine Canapino, uh, was was really appreciative of having that overnight. He said, you know, look, I wasn't I didn't get off to a very good start. Uh I didn't have much confidence in in myself and the aerodynamics and and the car itself and the banking and X, Y, and Z that goes with racing at Texas. And he said, having the overnight really allowed me to gather my thoughts, think about mm-hmm. what I had learned Think about what, you know, others had told me. Callum Eilat was there on his radio. He had had a, a pretty lengthy discussion with Alex Pillow before he, he went down there. So he said just having that that uh, reset overnight was really helpful to him. Uh, Stingray Rob uh, talked about how, you know, it was just it was one of the one of the first times that a race car has really taken his breath away. Uh, it was a it was a more. Um, you know, it was a very productive test for for those two plus Benjamin Peterson. Uh, they got to run together some. There's some video on Canapino's uh, social media accounts that have have uh, he and Stingray Rob running together. So you know, look, it, you don't figure out Texas in one test, whether it's over one day or two days. They're going to have to run in a big field come next weekend, and you know, I expect both of them to be. And all three of them to to really take a, a conservative approach. Canapino was saying, "Look, it, the whole season is going to be like that for me, but this one in particular will be like that. I need to learn every lap and and just you know really take it as they come." I will say from the from the Dale Coin uh, perspective, which is where Stingray Rob is. Keep in mind that they did they've done really well with some rookie drivers at Texas. Uh, they've done a nice job of of kind of doing it slow, but bring them up to speed. Uh, Malukas ran in the top ten last year, uh, as an example. He'll be there for for Stingray next week to uh, to kind of counsel and and you know offer feedback to what what uh, Stingray's feeling and experiencing. But the twenty seven cars, twenty eight cars actually, twenty eight cars next week because Ed Carpenter will join the twenty seven car field. Uh, Sato will be in place of of Marcus Armstrong, but a 28 car field is a lot. Um, you know, we've seen the racing kind of spread out. In fact, you mentioned restrictor plate racing in NASCAR at, at Atlanta. That's how that's how Atlanta was for the IndyCar guys. But we've not seen that in recent years at Texas. So I, th- I expect it'll kind of string out a little bit, which will be helpful for those three rookies. Yeah, you like you mentioned, no incidents. Uh, you know, but the real deal comes next week when you actually have to race and, and uh, we'll see how that goes. You know, it was the most exciting race. I mean, aside from the Indy 500 last year on the schedule with, with new garden passing Scott McLaughlin on the last lap, McLaughlin ran very well. He's the story of the week really after his 12 hours of Sebring drive that we saw over the weekend. So, 
you know, he's he's going to be tough. Uh, the Penske's will be tough, and and the rookies will you know try to figure it out, and they'll have to do so on the fly. Yeah, the race last year was pretty good, and I know they're doing more of the extra groove practice. Uh, I forget the numbers that did it last year, but there are going to be more tires available and more drivers invited to participate in that extra high line session. So it seemed to help last year. And beyond that, it probably just added a little bit of confidence uh, for some people being able to tiptoe up in that area. You know, when you talk about these young drivers and having others uh, there to help them like a Calamilot, and at first thought you might say, well, it'd be better to have Ryan Hunter Ray who helped Calamilot last year but maybe not. You'd never turn down having Ryan Hunter Ray, but but I think having a David Malukas to help Stingray Rob and a Callum Eilat to help Augustine Canapino might be more relevant to a young driver because they remember it from last year. It's been a while since a veteran has dealt with it, and the first time they got in a in an Indy car at a place like Texas. Well, one, it may have raced totally different back in the day. The car was different. So these drivers experienced just last year exactly where the track is the same. Uh, because remember, the, the track is not at all what it was five years ago with the, uh, not rosin, but the, uh, the, yeah, the, um... the, the, the stuff. The stuff they put down there a few years ago that some people would say ruined the track, it's made it very different, especially in the second line. So uh, I I feel good about that. I feel good about Canapino and Stingray Rob being able to learn from their young veteran teammates in that circumstance. And then we'll see another young driver. This is quite unique, and this is news that came out, was it yesterday? Was it this morning? I saw it first from Feeder Series Americas, which is – a Twitter handle I follow that covers people like my son, Jackson, and and that level of racing that last year's Indy Lights champion, now Indy Next, Linus Lundquist, is going to get that IndyCar test. We've heard rumors about that with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan at Texas the day after the IndyCar race on April 3rd. And they had a quote from Bobby Ray Hall telling Swedish TV that RLL will, quote, we'll see what we can do to run in a couple of races this year. I think that's terrific. And and obviously, uh, we're all pulling for, for Linus to to have his, his first chance in an IndyCar, you know, from a racing standpoint. Um, you know, that obviously, the four-car operation is going to be in play at, at Ray Hall at Indy. Uh, so, they'll they'll kind of be built up for it to do that if, if need be. Um you know, you wish you wish you could get more races, but at this point, I think Linus would just say, "Just give me any, just give me any." And um, <laughs> and I go back to Canapino for a second. Did I call him Augustine? Augustine? I'm just going to call him Hugo. We had a conversation when he went into the Starbucks. They can't pronounce Augustine or Augustine the way he says it, so he'll take his middle name. I'm going to go with Hugo. Townsend asked him in our production meeting at Thermal, can we call you Gus? And it was a terse no. <laughs> so he does not prefer Gus. So maybe Hugo is acceptable. <laughs> Hugo is his middle name. So I can get Canapino. So if I'm going to call him Canapino with some regularity, that's why. Because it's like I have a brain stoppage of, of which way we're going to say his first name. Uh, it's probably like uh, Simon or Simone. We won't really. He'll take both. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Um, 
Oh, we should also mention good news that Jack Harvey was cleared late last week. I'm going to say Thursday or Friday. Uh, that I know it came through. Well, maybe it was over the weekend, but it wasn't today and it wasn't yesterday. So he'll be able to drive at Texas. We still don't know what it was. Um, I know he mentioned that his wrists were sore after the race. Uh, so that's good that that Jack is cleared. Makes me wonder, I, I and no offense to Yuri Vips, who got the chance to, to drive the car in the test at, at Barber a week or two ago. I wish, and I say I wish because I don't know Yuri Vips, so no offense to him, but I know Linus Lundquist and I like him, and I'd like to see those that come up through the American ladder system get the opportunity. I wish he would have gotten that chance. Well, it may have been a case of they were already uh, down the road with uh, Yuri uh, to be in that test and you know, who knows? Yeah, but he was replacing. <laughs> but yeah, I know I know what you're saying. And, and it may have been, hey, we thought he did pretty well the last time around. And, you know, when that comes up, by the way, it's also possible that maybe Linus wasn't available. Yeah. That yeah. particular day and had something already scheduled or maybe it happened on such short notice. Did he have his medical done in time? They can usually get that stuff done pretty quickly. But since Vips had already been in IndyCar, Maybe that was the part of it there that played into it. But that that was just a thought. I would love to see him get that opportunity there, but I'm glad he's still getting one uh, at this point. And you're right. There is the possibility that they are more equipped to run a fourth car at some point later down the road. The reality is, hey, nothing is guaranteed, and, and smart teams are planning a couple of steps down the road. Jack Harvey... I would imagine his contract is up at the end of this year and no one has ever guaranteed anything. I think Christian Lungard is on a multi-year contract, but I don't know that. And if he wins three races this year, who knows what offers come his way? Uh, so th there's no 100% guarantee. Is it 99% that he's back next year? I would think so. I, I know they really like him and I would imagine they have him secured. Um, and I don't think Graham Rahal is retiring after this year, but you never know. You don't know with 100% certainty. So it's good to just have some options that you can do, whether you're a three-car team or a four-car team. Let's go back to Hunko's Hollinger Racing because they're associated with the next story. Saw on social media yesterday, who found it first? Our man, Marta, Matt Archuleta, Indy 44, found the uh, Argentinian reports that I couldn't translate, but there were pictures. And in the pictures, I recognized Mark Miles. I recognized Tony Cotman, who uh, approves and helps design racetracks. And uh, I also uh, recognized some other IndyCar dignitaries as well that, that would be in, in that situation if you were considering uh, another track. So... Apparently, they were in Argentina yesterday, today, something like that, exploring the possibility that we've heard about of maybe racing in Argentina. Well, that's that's the track where Canapino ran, and they did a they did a ceremonial kind of lapse, if you will, with Canapino and the Hunco's team, what, probably about six weeks ago? And so may have been a little bit more than that. I can't remember exactly the timeline we'll on that. in the fall, yeah. October, um, November. I think Michael Montre. Michael Montre was down there. He's yeah. the uh, he basically runs the uh, Detroit Grand Prix, and 
uh, and promoters. He deals with all the promoters now. And he does all the promoting uh, relationships across the Penske Entertainment IndyCar Series platform. So, yes, if he was if he was involved, it was okay. Let's talk about the business side of this. How what would you need? What would what accommodations would we need? And you know what would what would be the elements that would help put all this together uh, potentially for a race? So to have to have Montre, to have Miles, to have Cotman, to have Ricardo Junco's. You know, that's a, that's a good lineup. And by the way, I didn't see photos of Canapino in them. But when I spoke to him yesterday morning, uh, he was in Argentina at his house. Uh, so that would have been kind of late afternoon his time. I spoke to him about 11 o'clock Eastern. So it would have been at least middle to late afternoon uh, in Argentina. Uh, he didn't say why it was there. I wish he, I didn't know at the time to ask him, but uh Anyway, it would be it would be good. There's obviously a lot of energy and excitement for IndyCar racing in Argentina. Yeah, it just comes down to money. Uh, I would imagine that the venue is likely fine. I think IndyCar is open to that, but it's expensive to go there. So you have to find someone that is willing to pay to bring the teams over and ideally allow them to make a little bit of a profit because IndyCar team sponsors are not going to benefit as much from that. But eh, still, they benefit. Similar time zone, so it can still work for television. Uh, weather can help, so that can maybe fill this gap we're talking about right now. Maybe it's an exhibition race. I don't know, but we like racing, so I think this is all very positive on that front. All right, we'll uh, preview what's coming up in hour number two. We'll check into some tweets coming up at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. Much more on the way. Trackside 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Hi, this is Reince VK, and you're listening to Trekside. Hey, before I forget, a show next week, still on Tuesday. We're on a similar schedule for a while, so a full two hours next Tuesday night, and that continues through at least the end of April, so throughout March and April. Uh, So I brought up NASCAR in the last segment, and I forgot maybe the one of the more interesting moments of the NASCAR weekend in Atlanta, and news came down late this afternoon on Josh Williams. If you didn't see that in the Xfinity race, uh, Josh Williams was one of many, many, many that were involved in crashes. And at one point, as his car is back on track, repaired, uh, the bear bond didn't stick, and he started littering parts. And NASCAR black flagged him and told him to go to the garage. And Josh decided that wasn't fair, so. He parked on the start-finish line and got out in grand fashion and waved everyone, almost like a walk-off. Like, I'm done with NASCAR. I'm just going to leave it here. He wasn't quitting or anything to that extreme. Uh, But as expected, that was not received well. He spent the rest of the race waiting in the NASCAR hauler, and he's been suspended for the next race. So you kind of talk about, hey, you can run over people at times and not get suspended, but if you park your car on the track and cause a further delay that doesn't go well and in in some ways you know there are a lot of gray areas and crashes yeah when you don't listen to what the race officials tell you to do that is pretty much a no-no now i'll say this it's probably going to work out uh in the long run well for josh williams because i'm going to guess most of you had never heard of him before i knew of him because he did a little bit of arca when I was covering ARCA, and I watched the Xfinity races. But he's in one of the underfunded programs that I don't even know the full details of it, but I, I think he he's heavily involved 
in the operation of it. He's not the car owner or anything like that, but they don't have all the funding to have the best car. And now he's gotten some attention. There's already a GoFundMe out there. I think this will pay off for Josh Williams in the long run, who's starting to look more and more like, what, Kenny Powers from the HBO show, the the, uh, baseball relief pitcher. He didn't have the mullet when I knew him a few years ago, but an interesting character, and I do think he has some talent. So there you got that. And then this weekend, we've got a cornucopia of uh, personalities and talent in in the NASCAR race at Circuit of the Americas, so I always am interested in the road course weekends. You got Connor Daly back in the car. Hopefully, it's not bouncing. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, we'll call him still an IndyCar driver. He's back in the Cup car this weekend. A couple of former F1 guys, Kimi Raikkonen, not just F1 guys, world champions, and Jensen Button. Rodney Sandstorm, also known as Corvette sports car driver Jordan Taylor, makes his NASCAR debut. He's in the Chase Elliott car. I talked with Jordan about that some over the weekend. You know, I think everybody thinks, hey, road racing driver in uh, Chase Elliott's car, a Hendrick car, uh, he's going to have a chance to win. Yeah, I, I hope he does, but that's not really realistic. He's never driven the car. He's done a little bit of simulator stuff. It's not the same as the sports car that he's been testing. The Garage 56 car, it's eight or nine seconds slower, whatever. It's not the same. Uh, and and all the NASCAR Cup guys can road race. So he's in a good car. I would say top 20 is a really good day for him. But to expect him to come out and win like you can maybe an Xfinity in a Gibbs car, it's not the same in the Cup Series. But I like Jordan. I hope it goes well for him this weekend and he gets more chances. Sage Karam's in the Xfinity race. Ed Jones is in the truck race, and our our buddy Parker Kligerman is doing the truck race again in the 75, along with his regular deal in the Xfinity race. So there's your NASCAR update. We'll talk about, at the end of the show tonight, what's coming up at Sebring in the USF Pro Championships. Uh, So that is on the way. And Kiffin Simpson, Indy Next driver, Sebring class winner with Scott McLaughlin, He's on the way, and Ryan Hunter Ray back in the Indy 500 is coming up next. Trackside 93.5107.5 The Fan. And Hunter Ray darts in, moves to the outside as they get the white flag. One to go, Jerry. They are side by side. Elio looks to the outside. Elio will have to take the number two spot. He's right on the rear wing of Ryan Hunter Ray. Hunter Ray looking for number one. Elio Castronavis looking for win number four. Ryan Hunter Ray, eight car lengths in front as they move in the back stretch for the final time. Did Elio make the move? Three laps too early. Does he have anything at all left in the tank? A couple of turns to go. Ryan Hunter Ray leads. Turn number 800 is upon us. Less than a car length is the difference. The final turn. Hunter Ray to call the finish. The voice of the 500, Paul Page. And it is Ryan Hunter Ray that is going to lead Elio Castroneves across the line. Ryan Hunter Ray has his first Indianapolis 500 mile race win. I'm Ryan Hunter Ray, and this is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee. Hour number two, Trackside 93.5107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. Thanks for staying with us, Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan. And uh, some of you heard, our next guest didn't hear it, but I suspect he's heard it before. The finish to the 2014 Indianapolis 500, Indianapolis 500 winner Ryan Hunter Ray is going to be back coming up this year for his 15th 500. And he joins us right now. Ryan, how are you? Congratulations. 
I'm doing excellent, guys. Thanks for having me. I know I appreciate it. Really looking forward to getting back to the Speedway with Ryan Reinbold Racing. It's a, it's a great opportunity, and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm ready to rock, ready to go. It was a nice, pleasant surprise. Once um, once I heard a couple of people that were in the mix for that, it wasn't going to happen. You know, I, I sort of started thinking, all right, who could it be? I think it might be Ryan. What's the process been like? Um, because I thought you might be in the Ganassi seat. Then I thought you were going to be in the extra Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan seat. And then this comes together. What has this been like over the last, well, probably the last yeah. uh, 10, 11 months? Yeah, it's been crazy. First of all, I've never seen, um, you know, an indie only indie only efforts being put together so early, which is just a testament to the health of the sport, which is great news. But this process went all over the place. I mean, it was it, like you said, it started at Ganassi. He was talking to Ray Hall. I went down the road all the while I was talking to um, Dennis Reinbold and, um, you know, I've known him at the track for years, you know, obviously uh, Justin drove there and, uh, you know, prior to him going to coin and then to Andretti. But um, I've just, you know, I I was always talking to him over the months and he he just had, he had such a patience and respect for the situation. And um, the more I got to know him, um, you know, the the more I really, really thought this was a possibility. And uh, like I said, it has gone all over the place and I think I ended up in the right situation. Uh, You know, racing IndyCar is about people. It's about the people. And the more I got to know the people involved, they are the right people. And, um, you know, I have my former crew chief is there. Uh, there's, there's familiar faces. And then when you see Dennis's full on just his, his desire, his, his passion for the 500. And that's really what matters to him. It's what matters to me. Um, things really aligned and here we are. The reputation of the program that Dennis has built over the years is very strong. And even not being around it, uh, you know, I'm sure you had, heard some of those same things that this this is quality did you need to see a little bit more though you you don't have to do this and i know you won't do it if you don't think there's a chance that you can win the race did you need to investigate a little bit further to make sure and confirm what you had heard over the years absolutely i mean i think like i've said from day one i i want to do the 500 if i have a shot at winning it because i have that much respect for the race i have that much respect for my career what I've done there, what I've done in, in IndyCar. Um, I only want it to be the right situation. And taking the year off last year was really the right thing. I, it was good for me. I, you know, and, and I have been in the same organization for 12 years, right? So there's a lot of things that I didn't necessarily have to pay attention to uh, in, in the vetting process. I knew I was with a good team. I knew the engineer. I knew the crew chief. I knew, I knew all the people. And it, it, it was a much different scenario. Um, this time around. So yeah, I had to do, I really had to go into it and, and, and get through all the finer details. I went to the, um, you know, to, to Dennis's shop, Ryan Reinbold's shop, checked everything out, met people. And, um, you know, this was a, this was a process and a decision that I, that I took very seriously. Uh, and it took, it took quite some time, not just on the, on the Ryan Reinbold side, just in general. So, uh, but I am very happy with, uh, with the decision and I'm looking forward to the, uh, to the challenge ahead. Ryan Hunter-Ray joins us. Ryan, you've had uh, so much connection to to Honda, and this will be a Chevy program. Ray Goslin, your longtime engineer, is on the Chevy side. Has that been? Has has Ray been a, a you know a you know a, a source of information? I guess in that vetting process. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Ray and I are great friends. Obviously, we've been working together for 12 years, had, had a lot of success together. And yeah, I talk to Ray all the time, you know, whether it be career advice, uh, whether that be, you know, well, you know, what do you think about this program, this person, these, this personnel, this and that and the other, you know, you know, I, I bounce a lot off of him. But when it came to the Chevy side, yeah, I was asking, said, oh, Chevy, you know, Chevy came with a big upgrade last year. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, to this year. But I have a great relationship with GM just from from back in the day when I won the championship with um, with them in 2012. And, you know, all the time that I spent in sports cars with them as well as recently as last year, you know, so I had really good repertoire with Jim Campbell at, at GM. So things fit on that side of it, too, really did. It, it, it kind of um, it expedited the process a bit. And, um, yeah, I look forward to working with Ray in a much different capacity than we're used to. But now I'm still going to get to work with them, you know, and and discuss with them every day what's going on uh, with the with the team, the 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 engine, the car, the whole thing. Yeah, I noticed you didn't you came to town and uh, and didn't offer, you know, like us to have <laughs> us to have lunch or, or anything like that. <laughs> what, uh, what 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 did you learn? You know, when you go into a shop, what are you looking for? I mean, uh, is it just a simple matter of of trying to understand people and, you know, what from from Dry and Reinbold's standpoint, you know, they don't participate, you know, anytime except for Indy. What things are there that show you that, that this can be a, a good program? Yeah, you know, I was flying under the radar for sure. And, and that's how I wanted it. So I'll owe you that lunch, Kurt. But I, <laughs> it's all about it's all about, you know, like I said, it's all about the people. Right. So I wanted to get face to face. I wanted to meet folks. I wanted to interact with them, you know, and I feel like I asked the right questions. Um, and, and they had, they had really good answers. Um, and, and that's where the dialogue started. And then we started walking around the shop and, you know, we were there for several hours, several hours going through, you know, looking at the cars. And, um, I, I have a, you know, obviously for the amount of time that I've spent at the speedway, especially I've got a pretty good eye for, you know, what looks like on the exterior, at least a, uh, a well-prepared, uh, Indy 500, uh, car. So, um, you know, all of these boxes were, were being checked off as I was going down it. And, um, you know, like I said, it really comes comes back to the people. Ryan and Ray is joining us. Not only has he won the race, but he's finished third and fifth before. And the last time he competed a couple of years ago might have been a winner there. He was really strong. And he was one of several that had brake issues entering the pits that took away the opportunity. So the question is, with a year off, how long does it take you to feel comfortable again, what, if anything, do you think would have changed from then to this year to add to a challenge to you? Um, no, I mean, it's, for me, it's going to be like riding a bike. I've spent way too much time in any car and at, mm-hmm. at the speedway. Um, it, it absolutely, I'll get right back in it right up to speed. Um, I, I would, I would say the extra challenge is the, the different arrow options that we're going to have to, you know, kind of work our way through and get an idea for what might be an option on race day, depending on conditions. So, I think, you know, really the fact that I'm working with, with some people that I've known in the past, I have confidence in them. Um, you know, this is obviously a different team. That's the big, that's the big difference, right? I've always walked into the same garage for the past 12 years, the same engineering office at the Speedway. So those things are going to be a little bit different, but I really, I look forward to it. It's a smaller program. It gives me the chance really, um, you know, I don't necessarily want to call my myself the quarterback i guess i am you know the quarterback of the team um you know it gives me a chance to 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 mold it a bit to what to how the direction that i would like it to go 
And, and uh, yeah, I, I just look forward to working within uh, a smaller program that I'm used to and, and, and see how that really translates to on-track performance. It's funny. We won't see you. Uh, I was just imagining you walking through the garage area in a yellow uh, driver suit. I mean, that, that, that starters is going to be a different type of experience. And, and I was, I kind of brought that up because I saw those photos that your wife posted today of, of uh, your oldest child in 2014. That must feel like such a long time ago that you won the Indy 500. Uh, your, your kid, at least one, how many, I don't remember how many of the, of the boys were, uh, at that, that, that race was just and, one. Yep. Yeah. Just one. But, um, you know, does it feel like, you know, such an eternity ago? I mean, it's been nine years. Yeah, it does, but it doesn't because we've come back in the, in, in between that time with cars that I feel were even stronger than our 2014 car. Right. And that's the thing yeah. about Indy. You can have the strongest car in the field, but. It, it doesn't owe you anything. Everything has to come together perfectly. Everything, every, everything has to be executed 100%. And even at that point, you still have a fight to the end with, you know, 10 other lunatics um, going for the same, the same, you know, goal, the same, the same, you know, trophy. And that, that's the beautiful thing about it. I feel like in 2016, had the car to win. Like you said, 2021, brakes went to the floor, but we're in the top three. So, uh, we could sit here and talk forever about the missed opportunities, but um, because I I was in that mindset and that feeling during the race that I had a shot at winning just recently, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago that I won. But yeah, um, you know, it was long it was long enough ago that my my ten year old right now just turned ten uh, doesn't you know really recall the whole the whole victory celebration. So. Sure. That, that's that's too long ago for sure yeah i was i was going to ask you if if 2016 maybe was the one i don't know maybe 21 which which of those races is the one you know they talk about the ones that got away which one is the most got away 16 for sure is absolutely and then you know we had the incident in pit lane where townsend ricocheted <laughs> off of elio they ricocheted into it and then it hit us and then we went all into the wall and what a disaster but um yeah it was that was definitely the one the 16 i knew I had that same feeling like in the, and within 10 laps of the beginning of the race in 14, I, I said, okay, I, I have a contender here within 10 laps of the beginning of that race in 16. I said, okay, let's just take care of this car. Cause I know I can win this race with it if I get the shot at the end. So that's the one, but that's what keeps you coming back. Right. It's like, uh, you know, your average golfer, you know, you, you, you're, you're hacking it all day. And then all of a sudden you hit one, you know, two inches from the pin. It keeps you coming back for years to come. But, uh, no, I absolutely love Indy. It's everything that, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's everything that I've thought of away from the racetrack has been, has been Indianapolis, no doubt. I haven't seen you since Petit Le Mans last fall. So I always get at least a couple of times a year, a kid karting update. What's the latest, what's going on there? What's going on there? Just, um, a little bit more on track activity. You know, we're doing these, uh, test days, open test days with other kids on the track, trying to get them mixed in with it. We just did it last weekend. And obviously, you know, from, from my standpoint, it, it's great for me to get behind the seat of the uh, 175 uh, CC shifter and, and and really get not only the physical side of it, but, you know, the reflexes and everything, just keeping everything sharp. You know, I've been keeping after the physical fitness program as I always have. So um, I, I absolutely love karting for that. Um, and I'm, just, you know, the, the kids really do enjoy it. They love it. And, uh, but, to put three of them through it, honestly, at this point, I've, I've come to the realization that that is just going to be too steep of a financial ask. So I'm trying to weed them out, weed it through, you know, 
who I can throw golf clubs at or a soccer ball and say, all right, go have fun. And then the one that's most passionate about it, I think it comes down to the one that really asks and begs on the off weekends when they're not there. The one that's like, when can I please go back to the go-kart track? That's the one that's going to get you. That's the right approach. They they yeah. need to want it way more. And, you know, we've seen this. There are a lot of parents who seem to want it more than the kids do. And you ask any kid, do you want to race? Of course they do. Uh, so so yeah. the, the kid has to go yeah. out of their way to make it happen and convince you. So I, I like that approach. And I wish you the best. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you you know you know what it, what it, what it takes. And um, I'm not pushing it on them at all. You know, that's that's it's quite the opposite. In fact, I, I just really enjoy the, the days down with my family uh, at the go kart track and everybody's having fun and we're and we're enjoying driving. We're enjoying driving these, yeah. uh, you know, these race carts. That's that's the best. Right. That's the purest form of it. Um, but yeah. And, you know, my wife and I were talking about it and, you know, it as, as well as anybody, Kevin, and just how tough it is to make it the sport. Right. It's so oversaturated at the bottom. It's so expensive. And then you're gunning for what? 27 IndyCar seats, 27 seats out of it, you know, out of uh, all these kids that are coming up through uh, road racing go-karts. We often hear that you have to, you know, the first driver you have to beat is your teammate. Apparently you have to beat your brother. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's an interesting. They just don't know it yet. (laughs) Yeah. That's an interesting take on it. Um, what, how have you stayed connected? What, what are you What are you doing with your time uh, through the day? Those the boys are at school, and and you know you've got your you know the planning for Indy. But what, what else have you been doing to kind of you know get yourself in position for this for this upcoming race? Well, this one has been uh, man. This has been this has been a full time job working every angle um, of this. Like I said, this this all started. I, I remember just a few years ago. You know we these programs would be coming together, uh, you know, negotiations starting in February, March and announcements coming in April and stuff like that. I mean, this was all started back in, this all started in October at, even at petite, you know, um, we were having in-depth conversations about, you know, the direction of what it looked like for the Indy 500 with what program and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been constant, constant, um, you, you know, constant work and, and trying to make that, that happen. And, you know, it looked like for a bit, I was going to be back in the Cadillac and the endurance races with the two Ganassi cars splitting one going to WEC, one staying here at IMSA. Um, I was going to potentially be in the seat that Scott Dixon's in now, but you know, Scott wanted to come back and of course Scott is, you know, he's the, he's the Ganassi man, you know, he's the CGR man. So I completely understand that. Um, and, you know, there's just been a lot of, it's just keeping on top of all these different scenarios that were going on, um, you know, on top of everything else with the kids and, and all that. And then, you know, the other stuff that we have going on, personally, our investments and, and whatnot is, has been a full-time job. Are, are you open to sports car racing beyond the top class? And if so, what limitations are there to do that with your driver ranking? There is. That's a very good point. Very, a lot of limitations, right? When it comes to a platinum ranked driver, um, it, it, it's tough. It is really tough. Anything outside of the top class. Um, with that said, I've driven, you know, I drove the NSX in its debut with, um, with Shank and I drove the Viper, um, you know, the SRT Viper. So I've, I've, I've done the, the GT stuff. I'd really prefer to do the prototype thing. The prototype deal was a weird one this year because you had all these, you know, it, uh, on the surface you saw numerous cars coming in but in fact you know these manufacturers brought in their own drivers right that, yep. that had been factory drivers for years so you're not picking from the prototype imsa pool of drivers at the time 
you're actually pulling from, you know, a lot of these guys are GT, uh, longtime GT uh, OEM drivers. So there wasn't many opportunities. And I really just kind of left the Ganassi thing go for a long time and until it was, you know, everything was kind of dried up. But yeah, I'm, I'm open to it. I think on the GT side, I'm still kind of holding out for the prototype deal, but we'll see where that goes. That's what I was going to say is that a lot of the prototype seats went to people that were not prototype drivers. So now they're, you know, the pool of available candidates has gone up by about 30% because of the BMWs and the Porsches of the world that, you know, good for them. They promoted from within, but uh, there are people that we weren't thinking about for those seats a couple of years ago. Hey, some other really good news in the last few weeks, and I think you'll enjoy this process even more because people won't be just asking you, hey, what are you doing now? You can say what you're doing, but you're going in the Long Beach Walk of Fame with our buddy James Hinchcliffe coming up in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Long Beach, obviously, I think my favorite race outside of Indy. And to be in the Walk of Fame there is, is, is awesome. To be inducted with James at the same time, you know, we're great, great friends. He comes to all of our uh, Race to Beat Cancer events, um, you know, so... I spend uh, I spend quite a bit of time with James actually just just because he's down in Florida and he comes to our events and things like that. So we're gonna have fun out there. It'll be good to be back at Long Beach and um, you know I, I think I'd, I'd once I get there I'd rather be behind the wheel of a car at Long Beach because that place is unlike any yeah. other street course. But um, yeah, it'll it'll be fun and it'll be a nice uh, you know segue into uh, into the month of May. James is a good person to hang out with because now you can do home and homes. It's not just him visiting you you can visit his new place, which is pretty cool as well. I don't know if he's a good person. He's just, he's fun to hang out with, you know? <laughs> That's what I said. A good person to hang out with, I think at least. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, Ryan, no doubt. we're all so happy that you're going to be back in a, a good seat again at the Indy 500 this year. We'll see you in Long Beach in a few weeks and we'll see you in Indy here in May. Actually, we'll Thank see you, you in April, so I'm sure, right? We'll see you in April. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll yep. see you in April out there. Absolutely. And I appreciate it, guys. Look forward to seeing you uh, seeing you soon and spending more time uh, at the Speedway. Test time coming up a couple of days uh, for the full field. I think it's April 20th and 21st, I believe, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It is. Ryan Hunter-Ray will be in the number 23, Dreyer and Reinbold Chevy. Stay with us. We've got plenty more to come. Uh, another driver that works in IndyCar in the Indy Next Series and one at Sebring, Scott McLaughlin's teammate in the LMP2 class, Kiffin Simpson, joins us coming up. Trackside 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Hi, this is Simon Pagano, and you're listening to Trackside. Thank you for staying with us. Trackside continues, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. We can talk about a lot of things with our next guest. He is one of the Indy Next drivers, one of the many, many drivers for HMD, and one of the many that has a different affiliation. So he is in the Chip Ganassi Racing Camp. So it's the number 21 HMD with CGR Indy Next Car. And he also just happened to be on the overall podium at the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring and win in class in LMP2 in the number eight Tower Motorsport Car. Scott McLaughlin and John Ferrano were his teammates. Kiffin Simpson joins us now. This has been a pretty productive uh, last little stretch for you. H how How was winning at Sebring? um it was very incredible um it was a crazy race uh like you said we were on the overall podium somehow just with all the chaos that went on throughout the race and uh we won our class as well so it was a really big weekend for us and we were really happy about it so uh yeah the whole team did a great job 
you know, going into the Rolex 24, it was discussed a little bit. Hey, you never know. We're not sure if these new GTP cars are going to last for 24 hours. And it was kicked around if maybe we might see an LMP2 win overall. Turns out that the uh, the GTPs did last pretty well. So we weren't thinking about this one. What are you thinking as you're watching? You're, you're at this point on the pit stand. Um, was your car leading class anywhere near when the top three overall cars all crashed together in the GTP class? Um, yes, I think we had just gotten to the lead. Um, I think the GTP crash happened just after the restart, right as we had gotten to the lead. So um, I think it was just long enough after that there was a gap to where we weren't really close to getting into the incident, luckily. But um, it was soon enough after as well that it ran it, the next yellow ran it right to the end almost of the race. So it was just a real quick three-lap sprint to the finish. And then it was a, a tight finish. I think uh, Scott won by like eight-tenths of a second or whatever in class. You know, it's a yeah, shame it was, that we weren't able to focus tough. on that because there's the top class always gets all the love at the end. But I get the impression your class was pretty intense. Yeah, it was a tough race at the end. I think the car behind us uh, pitted a couple laps later under the second-to-last safety car, and uh, I think they had new tires, so they were mm. – pretty quick and uh scott i don't think did so he was uh just trying to hold them off the best he could and um he did a great job defending the last three laps and was able to bring it home in in p1 so this doesn't seem right and and the other longtime sports car drivers probably won't think it's fair either you're just barely 18 years old now is that correct 18 yeah and yeah. you've won petite lamar and the Sebring 12 in clash. You won in GTD to finish off last year for gradient yeah. racing. Uh, yeah. You're supposed to have to pay for this and, and suffer for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very surprised how quick I've gone to win these last two, uh, both Sebring and Petit. Um, and yeah, just it's a real blessing from God. And you win this one. With a crash, uh, yeah. you have ju just the slightest off, and that doesn't go well. Was it exit turn one? And yeah. when I saw yeah. it, I just saw yeah. that's a shame. That's a shame. That car's done. Mm -hmm. Did you think it was done or significantly damaged yeah. at that point to still have a chance to at least compete for the win? Yeah, for a while I was very worried about it because in the car I thought it was pretty bad. Um, just the way the car got into the wall, I thought it would have – pulled a wishbone or something like that, just bent a wishbone or something like that. Um, but it was all fine and it was all just bodywork stuff. So um, I drove around and safety car came out in like the next, I don't know, 10 seconds for another car that had a problem, I think. Um, so we didn't fix it right away, but we were able to fix it under safety car, which was probably better. And we stayed on the lead lap. That's amazing. Yeah. And as you're tiptoeing back, you're trying to feel it out to see yeah. how broke it is. Yeah. I Honestly, I wasn't really tiptoeing it back that much because <laughs> I kind of had to um, – there was the wave around as well, so you had to be pushing or else you would be passed by everyone. Yeah. Um, 
So I was trying to go as quick as possible also to get the wave round lap back. Um, but you know, keep it safe and not crash it again. So, um, yeah, just had to bring it back to the pit box and then go back out and try to finish off that stint. And that probably helps. So you get to get right back up on the horse and finish the stint. All went well. You did a lot of driving at night, too. I always like to ask people, uh, because I don't think any of the rest of us can fathom that at all. What is it like driving at night at Sebring? Yeah, it's tough. It's not the toughest track. I'd say Petit's definitely darker than Sebring. Um, but it is one of the tougher tracks at night. Um but it's a lot of fun and it's a track that on the short course, at least I've driven a lot of testing in Indy next and a little bit in IndyCar as well. And uh, it's a track that when you do enough laps that you, you kind of get the flow of it well. And then um, even when it goes dark, you know, more or less where the track's going to go. More or less. That's not enough. <laughs> yeah. I, I need Sometimes. more than more or less. Yeah. <laughs> You just have to trust your gut sometimes. <laughs> okay. Kiffin Simpson is joining us, and he's had the opportunity to be teamed up over the uh, last couple of sports car races with Joseph Newgarden and Scott McLaughlin at, at the Rolex, and they had an electrical problem right off the start, or they might have had a chance to, to win that one. And yeah. McLaughlin brings it home in this one. We'll get to the racing part of it in a moment, but S- Scott's a fun guy. Um, yeah. Is he able to show that at all in the intensity of a race weekend? Are you seeing some of the things that we enjoy about his personality behind the scenes? Yeah, um, a little bit. Uh, he is a little bit more professional when you get to behind the scenes, but yeah. um, you know, you'd expect that, especially being an IndyCar driver, uh, you've got to have definitely some level of professional um, profession to you so uh i think uh he's got a great balance of uh humor and um when it gets down to business getting down to business but um yeah it's been great working with him so far and i can't wait till the next race so i've asked you a lot about this at daytona and sebring so we'll share with the audience now what has the experience of working with two indycar race winners one of them well both champions scott in in supercars and Joseph in IndyCars. What has that done that you can put in your pocket and use as you move forward? Um, It's been very helpful. It's been cool working with them about um, how they like to set up the car and learning how they uh, give feedback. Um, They get very technical with it. And I've gotten to learn a lot about dampers and uh, how they feel dampers and damper changes and, little things like that and um, how they give feedback about it as well um, can be a little bit different. So it's been cool learning about all that stuff and things that um, I haven't gotten into so much in other series that I've been in. And then you also have, I'm sure already a little bit of an opportunity to, to glean some things on IndyCar weekends with the the Ganassi team. So, Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why you're not in as, in as awe as some other young drivers would be how much of, of that being embedded with a team had you already had and already kind of seen how, you know, the Scott Dixons and the Alex Pelos and Marcus Erickson's of the world work. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely helped being with Ganassi as well. I've also learned a lot from all of those guys and um, it's just a little bit different when you get in the car and you feel 
the exact same change as what they do when, when it goes from, uh, I don't know, move it, the car moving one way to the car moving slightly different. And you feel that yourself as well as hearing how they react to it. It mm-hmm. also changes and helps you apply that to previous things that you've heard from what I've heard from Ganassi guys and, uh, things that I'll, I'm sure I'll experience in the future. So when you're in an engineering meeting and the engineers are saying, what would you like done to the car? I know my reaction would be, I want to know what they would like done to the car. How do you kind of balance that with, um, you know, let's listen to the champions compared to, I still would like to have the car the way I'd like to have the car. Yeah. um, I, so far we haven't had much of a problem because Scott and I seem to like a pretty similar car. Our feedback's usually very similar on what we want from the car. Um, the one difference is sometimes how we want to get that. And I, when it comes to that, I tr- just try to listen to them because obviously I don't have the experience they do on that kind of side of things. So um, just listening to them and learning how how they get uh, performance out of the car in IndyCar and uh, with Scott from V8 Supercars, it's been great to f- figure that out as well. Yeah, I guess that'd be my other thought. Whatever they'd like, I'd probably like that as well. So let's give it a try their way. And they're yeah, generally yeah. pretty fast. So let, let's try it. Uh, what what does this do for you when you go back to Indy Next now? You know, there's so little time testing the cars on a race weekend. Now you've, so I'm going to say, what you did probably six hours ish at Daytona. Um, somewhere in that range, if not more, how I much think, did you drive yeah. this weekend? So you, you've done an extra, basically a season of racing that you would get in Indy next in the first two IMSA races. Uh, yeah, something like that. Um, it's been a lot of driving, um, in practice, you don't, it's very similar in practice with having to split the car between multiple drivers. So the practice part wasn't, yeah, there's not um, much there. <laughs> yeah. It's not a whole lot, but um, yeah, it's been great getting a lot of seat time in during the races. And uh, I think that just seat time always helps and uh, racing also always helps. So I've gotten a lot of racing in this year already, and I think that it'll help me throughout this year. I need to go back and watch the St. Pete Indy next race again to remember all of the different things that happened. But I know you finished. You finished on the lead lap. Uh, you you still you didn't have a fully clean race right i, I no, no one no, did I, I assume you got yeah. into something at some point yeah a couple people were able to have clean races but most people didn't and it was uh, a really rough race for us uh just had a couple of incidents and um right towards the end there was just a car that had a half spin and blocked the track. So there wasn't really anywhere to go and got stuck and had to reverse and go again and all that. But you know, it happens at St. Pete, those kinds of races, that stuff happens. And uh, I think when we get to Barber, it'll be a much cleaner race because of uh, having a little bit more grip across the racetrack. Uh, Whereas at St. Pete, you've got a lot of dust offline. Um, so I think that'll change a lot when we get to Barber, and I'm excited to see how it goes. And fewer concrete walls. That's always welcome. So that that's a big break between events. So May 1st weekend yeah. is the next one. But luckily, you're in the car a lot. And, and 
kind of update people on the other race thing that you've been doing and you still have more before barber don't you uh yeah i've got um i'll be at texas not to race but just to be there with chip ganassi racing and um and then i'll be in barcelona for the first round of european Le Mans series and you've already won in that series this year uh i won in asian Le Mans series in asian Le Mans series same car yeah. different yeah different yeah. short season okay <laughs> so how many races are you doing this year um i think i think when we added it up it was 26 races um i don't remember how many weekends and 26 races plus at least three of them are long endurance races are you a part of the watkins Glen lineup as well yeah that's a six-hour race you got four pretty long races by the way scott mclaughlin said he might be doing that race it's still kind of tbd uh, yeah. because the schedule is really busy that time of year, but he said he's definitely going to do Petit Le Mans with you guys late in the year uh, as yep. well. So, uh, you know, I would say, what's the expectation? I know everybody's answer is I'm, I'm going to win the championship and I can find six other drivers that realistically would say the same thing and probably 10 that would go ahead and say it. In the biggest field we've had in many, many years in Indy Next, formerly Indy Lights, but w- what is... Where are you at in that series? Still 18 years old. There is time, but what do you need to get done this year? I don't know that I need to get anything done this year. What I want to get done is obviously win the championship, like you said. Um, But I also want to just win as many races as I can and um, get as many podiums as I can. But um, more importantly than that, learn what I can from this series and make sure that if I were to go to IndyCar next year that I would be as prepared as possible. Is it too early to ask what the plan is, whether you you think IndyCar is an option, or is that something we should even internally not really think about until what, maybe June or something in that range? Yeah, it's still so far out and I've got so much going on this year as well that it makes it that much more difficult to think about next year. Um, I know I've already done a lot of races this year, but it is still only March. So um, I think that uh, could be a long time until I know what I'm doing next year. But I, I think um, that's the right path. Yeah. You've yeah. had one race this season. Uh, you had you had last season as well, but let's give it a little bit of time. Then you can make the best decision for what is uh, next on the horizon. Well, congratulations. Oh, I was going to ask you this too. Is there an overall podium? Is it just class podiums, or did you get to get on a podium with uh, the the top two in GTP? Um, we did not get on a podium with the top two in GTP. That's all right. Don't I don't know if it's because there isn't an overall podium or what the reason is, but yeah, there there probably isn't because it always works out that it's the prototype mm-hmm. class, and they've got enough things going on. And it's already, what, 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night. They don't need to wrangle any more people for any more pictures. But that would have been my thought, making the overall podium in the second class. I would have hey, can we get up there with the Porsche and the Cadillac people and and do a little, well, you do do your own. Well done. That's something that will be remembered, getting to the podium overall in the LMP2 class. And and you have the, the trophy for the class winner's 
in what is a really talented class in sports car racing. Kiffin, congratulations, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Kiffin Simpson, HMD with CGR in Indy Next, the number 21 car, and just one in class at the uh, Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring this past weekend with Tower Motorsports. Stay with us. We'll see what we missed and more next. Trackside, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Hi, this is Colton Herda, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, final segment. Quick check of the Twitter inbox. Chris, and he's on it, says, there you go. Uh, our conversation oh an hour ago talking about Josh Williams, the guy who parked literally. You know, we like to say parked it. He did park it, but not in victory lane on the start finish line uh, when his car was falling apart instead of pulling it back off the track into the garage. He's more than doubled his Twitter following. Adam Stern of Sports Business Journal tweeted this uh, this evening. More than doubled his Twitter following since parking his car Saturday in the Xfinity race. Went from 12,300 to 24,800. So, yes, it's not like he crashed anyone or injured anyone. This is not ideal, and NASCAR is going to frown on it, but no one was harmed in the um, social media increase of Josh Williams, and I suspect he'll find some sponsorship out of this. The real Kurt St. Angelo uh, tweets, so he was replying to something, Oh, and his question was, so he tagged me and others after this, is Joseph Newgarden a U.S. and Danish citizen? If so, there may be six Scandinavians this year in IndyCar if you include drivers who are the result of the Norman Conquest. Well, that's getting deep into Anglo-Saxon history and so forth. Eilat, Harvey, Legg, Wilson, Daly, Power, Dixon, etc., the Nords indisputably dominate the series. Well, you do have Christian Lungard, uh, and then you have Benjamin Peterson, and in Indy next you have Christian Rasmussen from the region. So, so, so the uh, back to the original question: uh, Joseph's mom Tina is, I think she's Danish. She's Scandinavian of Scandinavian descent. So I don't know if Joseph has citizenship or not. I think sometimes that's just a matter of it might be applying for it. You're eligible. I'm speaking out of term because I don't know. But I think I've heard of uh, people where their spouse is from another country and they went through the process of getting their kids dual citizenship. But I'm not sure. Depends on the country. If it's automatic, it might be something you have to apply for. There you go. Maybe we asked Joseph that at some point. For the love of Indy, sorry uh, we didn't get to that for Ryan Hunter Ray. I think that's a good question, though. What did he learn watching last year's 500 that he thinks would be helpful this year? I think that's always a good question for anyone, and I ask that a lot usually leading up to the race, especially when it comes down to planning to how to deal with the end of the race and the draft and now the snaking, which I have not heard that anything is going to change on that front. We wondered if maybe they might eliminate that to some extent or put something where you can't at any point maybe extend a line from the pit wall all the way down to turn four. But I'm not aware of any change coming in that front, but that's still kind of a question for moving forward. But, But good question, and it's one we can ask him. But I don't know that he would know anything different. Everybody goes back and watches it again. Eh, Maybe if it doesn't go well, maybe they don't watch it that closely. And maybe he did. That is a good question. First time you're not in the 500, did you even watch? Did it hurt to watch? So uh, thank you. All right, so let's see. What else is coming up? 
back to Sebring this weekend because where else would you be? It's trip number eight or so over the winter. So I thought of this. I saw a note that this past weekend, it was super Sebring again with the series that races at Le Mans or fields the cars for Le Mans, WEC, World Endurance Championship, racing a thousand mile or eight hour race on Friday and then the IMSA race on Saturday. I have heard that that may not continue uh, and I, I saw a note from Sports Car 365 that that speculation still goes on. If they run in America, I've not dug into this, but but keep an eye out on Indianapolis. Maybe something can happen there. I don't know if that would be in tandem. If they're they're not going to do a super Sebring with a double header, they're probably not interested in working with uh, IMSA again in September at IMS. But who knows where they end up? But here's a thought, and I got this from talking with, who was I talking to? Dane Cameron and Ricky Taylor. We were talking about when they first raced at Sebring, and they are among a, a lot of drivers. The first time they drove a car, both were Formula cars, were at Skip Barber in, in Sebring. And they both said, you know, what was cool back in the day is that we used to race in Skip Barber and other junior Formula categories at Sebring with the 12-hour. So if the WEC race were to go away, that would open up a little bit more time. The former Road to Indy, USF Pro Championships, is there the next week. Someone needs to effort that. Obviously, it's good for, like, my driver and our partners to race in front of that massive crowd on 12-hour weekend. But I would contend it's good for IMSA. Look at the IMSA drivers. Most of them came up through the Road to Indy, through Formula Cars, expose their parents those that are paying for it or their partners or the drivers to start looking into sports car racing get them there it's good for everybody uh that that might be something that could be explored in the future if not them get the lucas oil formula car series there or something else uh jackson is racing there this weekend it's the season debut for usf juniors these are all the same chassis just more power, more tire, more wing as they go up. USF Juniors, then USF 2000, then USF Pro 2000, which was Indy Pro 2000. Jackson is going to race Friday afternoon at 4, Saturday afternoon at about 3.30. You can follow along on their app as well. And then uh, we will watch all the, the Formula One and IndyCar drivers at Coda on Sunday afternoon. We'll see you next Tuesday night here at 7 o'clock. Thanks for listening to 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.